You're listening to an audio sermon from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. So let's go for this. The first thing I want to say is once a parent, always a parent. Once you hold that baby, there is no turning back. No turning back. You are a parent until you put your head down in this life and go to heaven. So it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. But we've been created for that, haven't we? And so I want to give you a couple of things today. Just to start off, I made up four stages of childhood and parenting. The first stage is when there are babies and toddlers. I tell you, you are physically tired for a long time. Lord, there's a hand going up. I'm praying for you. Physically, your resources are tapped. Baby is lying there, crying, screaming when it wants something. Then it laughs at some stage when it feels like it. And you are surprised. You don't have to teach them to laugh. They just one day start laughing. And I read somewhere that if, you, if a woman had a baby, it might take six years to make up the sleep you've lost. How's that? No wonder we are like finished when we have a baby. You are exhausted physically. Then secondly, just when they start to sleep through the night and they start to handle a spoon to eat, all of a sudden you have a teenager in your house. Who has teenagers? Look at them. I have to say, we had wonderful teenage years. I learned a lot. I learned so much. But your teenage years, they tap your emotional resources. For sure. And then comes the young adult years, where they start tapping your financial resources. It's studies, it's university, it's a car, it's whatever, the right brand of clothing, it's whatever, you've got to keep up. And then comes the adult stage of parenting. And then they tap your spiritual resources, because now it's hands off, and you have to give it to God, and you have to pray. Not that you don't pray through the other ones, but when they're adults, that's all you can do. You've got to love them and pray them and stay connected with their hearts. But so, I thought a couple of things I want to tell you today. I, I learned this from Mark. I've got five C's for you. The first C, how do I parent my children? And, and I have to say, there are lots of books you can read. There's amazing information available. But I want to bring you to the Word and give you a couple of principles that you can immediately start to, Im to implement. I nearly lost that word. Implement in your life with children and being a parent. And I just want to say, if you sit here today, 
and I say things, I obviously bring you a perfect picture maybe from the word, how it should be. If you sit here and you think, I wish my parents did that for me, and you feel sorrowful or you feel hurt or you feel traumatized, or please just open your heart because the best father is here to minister to you and you belong to him. So the first thing I want to say in parenting is copy the best parent. The best parent is God. And you know what? The word is so beautiful because God, Jesus said, I have come to show you the Father. How amazing is that? I thought about that yesterday again. Jesus' mission was to come and die for us, to reconcile us back to the Father. And think about this, these terms, father, family, brother, all of these come from the word. They come from God, he's the source of it. It's not some great psychologist that thought up this idea of family. It was God's idea. So copy the best parent. Now, what does God do? First of all, he sacrificed. To be a parent, you're going to sacrifice. God sacrificed his best for us. Secondly, he provides. A good parent provides. And I know that's tough times. But in general, he took, he, a parent provides. Then a parent protects. This is God. Go read Psalm 91. Oh, hosts of angels look after all of us. We need to draw from that resource. Then God teaches and he trains as a father and he disciplines. That's in a nutshell what the Father does for us. Goes much wider and much deeper. It's all encompassing. But we have to find out what kind of a Father God is and that's where many people have a problem. They think God the Father is like my father who was never there, who was drunkard or who was anything. No. You've got to make the transition from that Father to your Heavenly Father. And in being a good parent, you have to find God's heart. So, and then copy him. I love the scripture in Ephesians. I think it's five verse one. He says, be imitators of God in everything you do. And this includes parenting. Then you will represent your father as his beloved sons and daughters. And continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ, for he surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us. Copy God. It's not a difficult thing to do. And you don't have to be a perfect parent. You just have to be a good parent. That really helped me when I thought of that years ago. I don't have to be perfect. I can make a mistake and I will acknowledge it. And that has amazing implications. But, so, and, and I have to say, if there's anybody here who, who doesn't have children yet, if you're not willing to sacrifice your life, then don't, please don't have children. Honestly, if you don't want to live a sacrificial life, don't get married. 
Don't take the girl out. Don't even kiss her. Just let it be and live your own life. Sacrificial, but that is copying God. It's being godly to sacrifice for each other. That is so the mind of God and of Christ. So, the greatest task that you have is to represent God in your children's lives. What do you look like? If they grow up and become teenagers and they're not so into you anymore, what is the picture in their heads they're gonna look for? They're gonna look for something that looks like the picture they saw on you. So, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you some, some nice ideas how, how that can happen, but Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, and it says, train them up to know God. Train them up to know God. And I, as I said, you don't have to be perfect. It's when you make mistakes, just acknowledge them. Then children know you're not perfect and they accept that and you can love them, even if you made mistakes. So, Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, Fathers, don't intensely irritate your children, but raise them up with loving discipline and counsel that brings the revelation of our Lord. It's a revelation we have to have, that your child does not belong to you. They belong to God. You have the privilege of raising them up to see Jesus, to understand what love is, like Mark talked about love. Okay, so that's the first C, is copy God. Copy the best parent in your parenting. And you're gonna have to read the Bible to find out what he really is like. I think eventually it's the biggest challenge is for us to be in the Word, to submit our hearts to God and to grow through the Holy Spirit in our own lives and it will become evident to our children. So, the second C is communicate. Now, communication is not just talking. Sometimes I think it is because I talk nonstop. Talking is not the only way to communicate. Listening is also communicating. Actions communicate. Attitudes communicate. And you know what? I was thinking about this story that I read. It was of a, uh, I think it was a pastor. They moved somewhere and they, they, the new house had a long, steep driveway and, a, and there's no gate. So he told the kids, do not go down the driveway. But he forgot to tell the dog. So guess what? Dog ran into the street, was run over. He felt so bad. He felt so bad and he said to the, he said to the boy, whose dog it was, he said, listen, don't worry, we will go bury your dog. And he put the dog in the car and he took the child with him. And he said, you know, I dug a grave, but I kept talking. And I said to the guy, don't worry, we'll get you another dog. The child's saying nothing. He said, then when you put the dog in the grave, he realized it was too shallow. Now he's so embarrassed because the dog's legs are sticking out in the, on the top. He said, and he said, don't worry, we'll, we'll make the grave deeper. And 
He said the next minute, the child says, can't we just chop off the legs? And for the first time he thought, he never asked the child how he thought, what he felt about the dog. And this is the thing, if we don't talk to our kids, if we don't listen, we will not find out how they feel about something. It could be something as wide as the east is from the west of what you think your child is thinking. So the sea of communicate is so important. And think for a minute, how do you communicate with your children? We give instructions, especially in the morning when they've got to be ready for school. Get out of bed and have you brushed your teeth and have you got this, have you got your swimming gear, have you got this, da 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 da. We shout, inf we, we shout instructions and discipline, but do we give encouragement? You've got to communicate encouragement to them. Show love, bring comfort. I used to ask my kids every day when they come out of school, they were quite irritated with me. I wanted to know the nicest thing of the day and the worst thing of the day. Now I see our daughter Pamela, she does that with her boy, he's seven. So I asked him the other day, Luca, what was your best thing in school today? He said, judo. I said, oh, great, he enjoyed the judo class. And then he's going to tell me what was the worst thing. This is Afrikaans. He says, it's boring. But so I get a picture of what's going on with this boy. And um, so, you know, and I think I read this. The way you speak to your children becomes their inner voice. They will repeat what you say to them. It becomes a voice from inside. So, you've got to get to the throne of God for things to change in here in order to speak things that encourage. We have to discipline. We have to speak sometimes words of caution, but speak beautiful words to them also. Embrace them. Speak words of love. Tell them how beautiful they are, if they do something really great. So, you know, I, I, I know such lovely stories, and I know it's going to take up my time, and Mark will tell me when I should finish, but Pamela was about six, and uh, one morning she came hopping into the kitchen, and she was happy. I said, you're happy this morning? She said, Mommy... You don't know what happened to me. I said, what happened? She said, I woke up in the night and I was, I needed to go to the toilet, but I was so scared. And my first reaction was, why didn't you come call me? She said, no, I had to go. And she said, I went in the dark and I sat on the toilet and I heard in my head, Job eleven nineteen. She said, and I wasn't scared anymore. She went to bed when she woke up in the morning. She took her little Bible and looked it up. And it said, you shall take your rest in safety. You shall lie down and nothing shall make you afraid. Now listen, I tell you what. God can work in your children. God can work in them if you build a platform for that in the lives of your children. 
or what you are saying, what attitudes you're bringing. If you bring an attitude of listen, bring God into the picture, do you know that, that, that God says when we are afraid, he's with us. Bring God into the picture all the time, good and bad, because you're building a platform for them to hear God's voice. I was shocked at what she said to me because her mind did not know what was in the scripture, but her spirit understood because she was fine. So, you know, if your child comes to you, listen to them. If they're scared, don't brush it off and say, that's nonsense. Take them, hold them and say, listen, you don't have to be scared because God is with you. Make God big to them. And then pray with them. Show them from the word. The Bible says his angels encamp around about you that nothing will harm you. Build in a confidence about God in your children by what you say, your attitudes. And you know what? I understand that we can be tired. I understand. We've been there. We've been there. And sometimes you've got to gather yourself towards yourself. Go to God and get an answer. And he'll tell you. God can be pretty specific. And, um, and I'll tell you this. A child can face anything with the care and loving guidance of a parent. I counseled a, a young woman that worked for us once. And she, it was at a church where we worked. She was terribly abused by her mother's boyfriend. And... Uh, her father died when she was six. And one day she was crying bitter tears. She said to me, and she, she, was, she said, you know, that was not the worst thing for me, that I was abused by my stepfather. I said, I said, so what was the worst thing? She said, my father has never told me that he loved me. And you know what, I thought to myself, if she had that love to hold on to, she could get through anything. And you have to realize, love must be the operative word. Let love be the motivator. Don't hurt them. Give them something to hold on to by what you communicate to them. And if you are a person, a parent, who needs that lifeline yourself, that's why you're in a church. There's a body who can help you hold on, who can show you the way, who can tell you. There's the word of God. There's, there are resources for you. And you need to make use of them. And you know, I just wrote you, don't make fun of your children. Laugh with them, but don't ever laugh at them. It might shame them. And some kids never get over that. They'll become adults and go to their grave with it. But, and this is what we find with people. So, what you communicate to them is really important. The third C is consistency. You have to be consistent in the lives of your children with values, with boundaries. Sometimes we don't have boundaries. No, a value is the judgment of what is important in life. You've got to live kind of and teach your children what is more important, what is less important, what is bad, what is good. What is good, what is better. 
You've got to be consistent. It can't be one thing one day, blue today and tomorrow red. Then it's green, then it's orange. It confuses them to no end. And where will they find out what is good for them? You have to teach them. And if you need help, again, find it, find help. So consistency in boundaries, teach them how to say no to things that are wrong or not good, or people or friends that will take advantage of them or bully them or manipulate or control them. We all know people like that. Some of us just have the privilege of having been given that tool of boundaries to say, no, you're not doing that to me. You know what? Why do we see kids of 10, year, 10 years and 12 years committing suicide? Because they were bullied at school. Be sensitive. Be sensitive to your kids. They come home, ask them how their day was. Build a relationship that they will come and say, Mom, this child has done this to me. Kiki came home the other day. She's nearly four. She started grade triple zero. Her name is actually Kiara. So Kiara came home. She said to me, Nona, Amelia bit me today. I said, she did what? She bit me. She showed me on her hand. I said, did you cry? She said, yes. I said, did you tell your teacher? She said, yes. I said, what did the teacher do? She said, Amelia had to give me a hug. I said, well, that's really good. I said, so are you cross with her? No. And I thought, you know what? You've got to be able to stand up to bullies. That's a very real thing today. It's so evil. So don't confuse your kids by doing something one way today and you let them think it's right and then tomorrow we do it the other way. Be careful. It throws them terribly. They're not sure. They're confused if you do that. You are building lives. You are giving them a solid foundation, which is vital for their future as adults. The third C, or the fourth C. What's the third one? The fourth one, sorry. And this one is really close to my heart. Is cover them in prayer. Prayer is so powerful. Go read Ephesians 6. Most powerful. We have an open door to the throne of grace. And two years ago, our son, when it was 2020, and his wife with their child of 18 months were emigrating to New Zealand. And first of all, it's not, that's not nice. He's 44. I don't want that. I want them nearby. They can move back into my house. I want them near. But they were going. And then February, they were ready. They had to go. No flights because it's COVID. We were praying. It took six months for them to get a flight, and it was a miracle flight. But you know, this time of waiting, I had such a revelation of the throne of grace. And I said, I am pitching a tent at the throne of grace. Because Jesus invites us, he says, come boldly to the throne of grace so that you can get the help you need right when you need it. And every morning I just lifted my tent flap and I said to the high priest, I'm still here, just reminding you, if you have issues, pitch a tent at the throne of grace. 
There is no condemnation there. There's an open invitation. And God will be very specific with you. You might not even really realize it, but God will help you with your kids. He's interested in them. He wants them to know Him and He will empower you to have the wisdom and the understanding and the discernment and the, the, the understanding what's insight to give them the right thing at the right time because you've been to the throne of grace. Put up a tent there. Now, oh yeah, so the immigration thing. They got a flight. Let me tell you this. They were facing like 40 hours of traveling to get to New Zealand with an 18-month-old baby. And they found a flight. South African Airways, it's, it was a borrowed aeroplane. And a crew from all other airlines said, we will take 300 New Zealanders back home. They got seats on that flight. It was the first time in the history of South African Airways that they flew straight to New Zealand. They never do that. So they flew from Johannesburg down over Antarctica and up and landed in Christchurch. 11 hours. I mean, we were like praising Jesus because that was a miracle. Then we saw two articles that said that flight was historical. It will never happen again. It was a once-off thing. And I thought, listen, I said to Mark, 300 people, three of them, we prayed through there. The other 297 had a ride with our kids on a plane that God organized for them. Listen, I've got to tell you, you have no idea what miracles God will do for you. And you better give him the glory because God is waiting to do miracles for you. David said, what would have become of me had I not believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living? Wait for, hope for, and expect the Lord. Be of good courage. Let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait for, hope for, and expect the Lord. You have to have an expectation that where you fall short, where you don't know what to do, God knows exactly what your child needs. He knows what you need to give that child whatever is necessary. So, bow the knee, pray. And then the next thing I want to say is frame them with the Word of God. There is nothing more powerful than praying God's Word over a situation. In Isaiah 55, God says, My Word will not return void that I send out, but it will accomplish that which it is sent out to do. You know, Reinhard Bonker said, I think Mark said something about Reinhard, but Reinhard, he said one day, God said to him, my words in my mouth are, no, he said, my words in your mouth are as powerful as my words in my mouth. When you speak God's word, you send forth living words from God's word, living seed out. He says it will not return void, it will accomplish. So I'm saying, pray God's word over your children. In your tent before the throne of grace, speak those things into existence.
You know what, you might not see it immediately, and I can tell you, prayer is powerful. And then one day I was reading Revelation, uh, it was during lockdown, and I, th- I don't know if I thought I was going to get some prophetic thing from there where to go to, but I was reading Revelation, and I came across two passages where it says, the 24 elders and living, four living creatures were holding golden bowls before the Lord. They mixed it with incense. He said, and I looked to see what was inside. He says, it was the prayers of the saints. I was so happy. I thought, you know, God keeps our prayers. And until they're answered, He will answer them. All I want to say to you, don't think your prayers won't accomplish anything. Prayer is your weapon in this this thing of parenting and speak the word if you don't know what to pray i'll give you a clue there are prayers of paul in the new testament these i have prayed over my kids they this listen to a couple of things in these prayers ephesians 1 I pray that god might grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation put your kids names in there Father, I thank you that Vernon and Pamela have a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of you. Yo, I want our kids to have that. He says, by having the eyes of their hearts flooded with light so that they can know and understand the hope to which you have called them. The prayers will suddenly take on a different a different value if you start praying the word. And you know, I was praying one day for our little grandson. I was crying. He's so beautiful. And I said, God, if I'm dead, who's going to pray for this child? And the Lord said to me, your prayers never go stale before me. I heard those words. And that was before I read about them holding up the prayers of the saints before the Lord. Your prayers are before God. You have to know that. And he will answer them. So pray God's, God's word. And, and you know what? We can give you this. It's in Colossians, Ephesians 3, Philippians 1. He says, I pray that your love may abound more and more and extend to its full of development so that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value, recognizing the highest and the best. You don't even know those words were in the Bible, I guarantee you. Some of you, like the pastor. There are beautiful prayers you can bring before the Lord for your children. Send out the word. Frame them with God's word. There's my Vernon. I frame him with God's word. I say, thank you, Father. These things will be true in his life. And then I want to, I want to tell you, there's a woman called Stormy Omartian, or Martian, if you would like to. She's written books on prayer. This book is so beautiful. It's praying for your adult children. Now she's got ones for your grandchildren, for your children, for your husband, for anything. They are really good. I want to read a little prayer 
I have put together out of that, I've put together prayers for every day. Short ones that I can pray for my kids. They're on my phone. I've written them out of this book. It's all word. Day four, it's got 30 ones that I've written. I pray for wisdom for Vernon and Pamela, their spouses and my grandchildren. I pray for wisdom, insight, understanding and discernment for my children and my grandchildren. May they be filled with the fruit of the full, deep and clear knowledge of God's will for their lives. Fully understanding spiritual things according to the word of God's ways. I pray that they come to a knowledge of the truth, a deep sense of the truth, so that they can make wise choices and decisions in order to live lives fully pleasing to you, Lord, and exactly following the paths that you have prepared for them. Give them wisdom from above on how to think, speak, act, and live. Now you know, to speak these words help me too. I know what I'm asking God for. And I want to say, when you don't know what to pray, pray in the Spirit. Most powerful. One translation talks about the razor-sharp sword of the Spirit, the spoken Word of God. When you pray those prayers, it's like a razor-sharp sword that goes from your mouth into that situation. What a beautiful weapon. What a powerful, offensive weapon. And you can beat the enemy every time with a word and with prayer. Praying in the Spirit. Dealing with forces that are trying to, to, to hijack your child. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to pray and we're going to, we are going to do that. The last thing I want to talk to you about is the last C is commit. Commit your children into the hands of God. How much time do I have? I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm just going to, I'm just going to get through this one. That's the last one. And here I want to tell you a story of something that happened to me. And listen, please believe me. You can't think we are these wonderful people and we don't have problems and we don't, we have two children. When you have children, you're going to have issues. Believe me. Because if it's not, it's not the child, there's a devil who doesn't want any of this. Because a good family looks too much like God in the family of God. The devil is out to everything that is godly, that is Christ-centered, he's out to get that. Not because it's you, because he hates Christ. You have to get that revelation and you are siding with God. You're siding with Christ, not with the enemy. So, put your kids into God's hands. I love this. One of the most important things we need to realize is that God loves your children more than that you can ever love them. I found this scripture just last week. Psalm 103 verse 13 in the Passion Translation. The same way a loving father feels towards his children, that is but a sample of your tender feelings towards us, your beloved children. Think how you feel about your kid. 
My nails come out if they touch my kids. You, you have no idea how God feels about you. A little bit, because you feel that for your kids. So, what happened to me, our son, who had, without any white water rafting, came emotionally, came through his teenage years, both our kids, they were fabulous. So, he never bothered to get a, a learner's license or driving. I was surprised because he just wasn't interested. I suppose we lived across the road from the church. Everything was at the church. We were next door to the school and the other places we took him to. So he wasn't bothered. And then suddenly a week before the matric farewell, he came over and said, Ma, here's my driver's, my learner's license. I said, how did you get that? I thought you weren't interested. He said, no, I went with my friend. His mother was taking him, so I went with him and I got it. So he studied from his friend's book and it's like, just this whole thing. Oh, I said, so what's your idea? I said, now we're going to the matric farewell. I'm gonna ask dad for the car. I said, you've never driven on the road before. No, he says, I oh, know, but I can do it. I'm freaked out. I'm freaked out completely. So, and this was in the beginning of the week. This, we're coming to Thursday. Friday is coming. So Mark took him on that road, let him drive in the day, and then once at night, Mark says, no, he's actually fine. Today, our son says, yes, if I know what I know, if I knew now, oh, then what I know now, I would never have taken the car. But so, the night before he had to get the car, one of our dearest friends in our church, 34 years old, and he was a family friend for, to our kids also, was killed in a car accident. So me, I'm, I'm, they phoned us three in the morning. I was freaked out. I said to Mark, he's not getting the car. Mark said he is getting the car. I said, no, he is not. He's not getting the car. A fear gripped me that some drunken fool could drive into my child and kill him. I wasn't worried about what he's gonna do. He's very responsible, but I, I was just so freaked out. So this thing is in my head. He went to this thing. He came home the next morning about 11 o'clock on a Sunday. I said, what? why are you home so early? He said, you know, Ma, I had three people with me. He said, we went into that nightclub after the matric farewell and I looked at it and I thought, I can't take a girl in here. He said, we got back in the car, all three, all four of us. We went to her house, we watched movies and fell asleep. We had breakfast this morning and here I am. And I thought, you see, you can worry about things that are unnecessary. Take it to the Lord. But I was gripped by fear. So the next week I'm sitting in my office and I said, Lord, you've got to help me. I am so, I know that is a fear took hold of me for, this, for my children. And I went into my office and I sat there and suddenly I felt the presence of the Lord. And I, here's what happened to me. 
the Lord said to me, get two papers. I tore two papers off my exam pad. I put them down. The Lord said, write your name on that one. I wrote Cora. He said, write my name on that one. I wrote God. The Lord said to me, now I want you to make a list of what you are to your kids. And then I want you to make a list of who I am to your kids. So I go along. I wrote, I gave birth to them. It was like playing ching chong chow, you know. The Lord said to me, I gave life to them. I thought, yeah, I could have given birth to their children. I could have. I can't give them life. It put me in my place. And then I wrote, I have to train them for life. And God said to me, but I hold their destiny. So I made a list. I have to love them unconditionally. I have to pray for, la, la, la. I have to pray for them. So I wrote, only God can save them. Only God can heal them. Only God can protect them. Only God, only God. And when I got to the, I have to pray for them, the Lord said to me, if you are faithful in praying for them, I will do all of these things on my list. I am faithful. You know what? I looked at it and I said, God, but my list is easy. And the Lord said to me, it's because you're trying to do my list. It's too high for you. It's too hard for you. If you try and do my list, you will be disappointed every time. And I, I, I really repented. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I can see I've been trying to do your list. And the Lord said to me, read the God list again. I read the whole thing again. He said, now tear it up and throw it in your bin. Then you put your list on your notice board and you just be their mother. I am God. You are their mother, be their mother. And I thought, I was so liberated, honestly. So I put my list on my notice board and then I sat down and I wrote a letter. I said, today, I resign from playing God in anybody's life, especially the lives of my children. Because I realized that God's protection is what they need, not mine. By having a fear of somebody's going to drive into them is not of God. I need a sound mind. That's what God's given me. I do not have to be in fear. And you know what? I have to say to you that this is not something that happens once. I have to continuously do that. Place them into God's hands. And when I find, oh, when I find, I look at my little grandkids, they are the most beautiful things. And I just look at Luca and my heart is, I'm finished. Sometimes this boy, he's just something else. He's so beautiful. And then I have to place him in God's hands. Let God be God to your children. Let him be God to you. You've got to ask God to show your kids to you through his eyes. And you know, there are many practical things we can learn. Psychologists have wonderful things you can do with your kids. Ways you can work with them, rewards, the this, the that, how, blah, blah. I just want to tell you, it all stems from your relationship with God and being Christ-like. Finished? 
Okay, so the last thing I'll do is to say that God will empower you. He understands a parent's heart. He's called our father, but you must remember, God created man out of God. He created man, male and female. So God put some attributes in the father and he put some attributes of himself in the mother. And those two together make up God to the child. So, mothers, it's for you too. A parent has got aspects of God and together you can bring these things to see your kids grow up in Christ and give them a, a head start in life as adults. Stay in the Word, listen to the Holy Spirit and walk in love. You measure love by patience and kindness. Be patient to your children. Count 10 before you say something. If you're red under the collar, go and walk around and come back and talk to them again. Walk in love. And I'm done. So there's a song I found the other day that I want to read to you. close your eyes and listen to these words. I want you to see your children in your hand and you holding out your kids to God today. The song says, Father, I place into your hands the things I cannot do. Father, I place into your hands the things that I've been through. And maybe just only God knows what you've been through. Father, I place into your hands the way that I should go, for I know I can always trust you. Father, I place into your hands my friends and family. Father, I place into your hands the things that trouble me. Father, I place into your hands the person I should be, for I know I always can trust you. Ephesians 6.10, be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Father, we just thank you today that we can come before you with great confidence that you are our Father. You understand the heart of a parent. And oh Father, how I pray that your Holy Spirit will just work in us, all of us, to just bring your best to these children. And Father, I thank you, each one of these parents. You touch their lives, Father. You show them things. You've promised that. You open your word. Open their understanding. And give us hearts for those beautiful children that you have given us to raise for you. And we thank you that one day we'll all in eternity be together around your throne, praising you for the great Father that you are to us. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.